Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club and most importantly, welcome to Kaiju Christmas 5, the most important and favourite episode of the year. It's back once again for another round of Kaiju goodness as tonight we look at Godzilla Final Wars, the final film in the Millennium Saga. I'm your host always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host Mr. Stephen Palmer. Ho, ho, ho. And tonight joining us for the second time on Kaiju Christmas is one six of the French Tales Sunday podcast and the host of Radio Radio Rehack or was it Ray Rehack Radio it's Nick Rehack <laughs> hey we got there <laughs> I was just like, as I said I was just trying to remember is it, is it Radio Rehack or is it Rehack Radio Rehack Radio Rehack Radio yeah um, narcissism comes first so so does the last name <laughs> it's like the best listening when you're ignoring the other parents in the park <laughs> thank you i just um i get to like learn about the grateful dead and find out the two good bruce springsteen songs that i don't hate so it's been hey I'll, I'll take that it's been quite the journey and um you also gave us my, my southern steven like one of our one of our favorite albums of the year uh with a ray for f oh nice um could you play the song true loves and then i listened yeah. to the album and then i was like steven go listen to this listen to this album just like <laughs> ran in the office like bewildering this poor man um and say listen to this now and uh yeah it was it's just a really wonderful album of noise and strangeness but it's somehow wonderful well um, I'm, I'm glad you dug it really you have yourself to thank because i i listened to your shows doing it and i'm like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do this too <laughs> <laughs> And I started it, and, you know, it is where it is now. Yeah, and then you retired me, because you're so, so much better than mine. But <laughs> No, then, no, come on. And then Stephen comes on and screws up my Spotify playlist for the year by putting <laughs> Depeche Mode on. Yeah. My yeah, Depeche Mode, uh, yeah, Depeche Mode, never let me down again. Straight in the top five singles now. Wouldn't have been there before. So. My, my work here is done. I had to say, you know. <laughs> I got that, and I got the nodding approval off Bicycle Man when he pulled up alongside my car at the traffic lights, going, oh, yeah, Depeche Mode, man. <laughs> yeah, you're nailing it, dude. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, not like the car, it's not like the convertible with the hot chicks who pulls up and like gives you the wink, is it? It's, no, it's some guy from the office on his bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining you in full Ferris Bueller mode. <laughs> That's... Clearly, it wasn't anything like that, was it? No. So um... he's just biking alongside, screaming, "Personal Jesus!" <laughs> Not a fucking jukebox. <laughs> Sorry. 
um but yeah it's been it's been a weird old week we've obviously seen the release of Rior on netflix which if you haven't checked it already please do um uh, because there's an episode on revenge focusing which also uh features heavily uh in-depth discussion of lady vengeance so i'd recommend you all check that out um also we saw the Shaw Vision collection being added to the Arrow player, which means you can all now watch Mighty Peking Man, which is rather fitting since it's Kaiju Christmas. I don't know if you've dug into your Shaw Vision set yet, Stephen. Hasn't turned up yet. So <laughs> really great that. <laughs> so 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 you've you've got it virtually before yeah. it's arrived on my. Uh, I, I fuck knows where it's going to go, mate. Probably next to the <laughs> Gamma and Godzilla sets that don't sit on the shelf. Is this another box set I'll convince you to buy? Well, I think, to be fair, you convinced me. You told me not to buy it. Okay. But, but you said it'll all be on the Arrow player. But I um, obviously <laughs> yeah. couldn't resist the email marketing. Yeah. And soon you'll be able to <laughs> add your Maki Ito Funko Pop to it as well. Who I've Funko been Pop. enjoying spamming you with this. Well, and Nick as well as of today. <laughs> um, Nick, did you watch any of that Maki Ito matches I sent over to you? Your first taste of Japanese death matches. I didn't. I was blown away. I'm like, what is happening? And then I saw the electrical, like, exploding bats. And I'm like, I think they did that on AEW with, uh, I can't think of their names. Uh, yeah, the, um, um, with John Moxley oh, and yeah. uh, Kenny yes, Omega. Yes, John Moxley. Yep, that was. I and, almost um, said Ultraman. And I was going to feel terrible. <laughs> no, they had an exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, but the ring it didn't actually explode. We had a, <laughs> a little sprinklers going off of the corner, which... It was so dramatic at that point. We got John Moxie's handcuffed in the ring, and it's all like the ring's gonna blow up. And then his best uh, mate like runs down and covers him, and then it's just complete misfire. Mm. But uh, as they said, were you surprised that Kenny Omega's ring he drew in crayon failed to work? But um, yeah, Japanese deathmaster wrestling. I decided to spam you guys with. So yeah, Maki Ito, the fallen idol and cutest deathmatch wrestler in the world. Hopefully, be getting her Funko Pop next year, which would be another thing for Steven to add to his collection. <laughs> you can oh, put oh, it in with like your baby metal ones that you got. I've only got my baby. I've got my baby. Well, I suppose I've got a couple of others. Yeah, but my baby metal ones are my favourites. You're not updated. You've like removed one of the members now. <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got to replace with like seven others haven't i that's the thing they haven't made models of them yet well, it's not as bad as that what's the idol group with like 100 members oh um akb 47 yeah akb that sounds like a gun <laughs> akb 48 something i think that's what it is but really that's they have um that's an ak-47 no um they've got more than 100 haven't they because there's all the sub bands and the thai versions and the ones in every other country and yeah, but they're yeah, they're 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 weird idols for middle aged men. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well if you guys are ever stateside, uh, I gotta take you over to Mark's house. I was there last night we were hanging out having some dinner and watching a movie and his house is basically like a mini GameStop. It is video games mm. and pop figures everywhere. I mean he built shelves in his home to house all of the pop figures. He's got the the big, the like the huge, massive ones. The little one, like it is, it is impressive but insane at the same time. Okay. Have you like how many Funko Pops you got in your collection? I know Stephen, obviously you got your three. I've got my John Waters Funko. I've got, I've got, I've got five and a half. I've got <laughs> half. three baby. Me- I've got my three baby metals. Yeah. I've got a Shuri 
from Black Panther, and my kids bought me a, uh, a Star Lord one, although with a weird springy head and a half size mantis. That's the half. Oh no, I've got more. I've got a Ms. Marvel and a teenage Nagasonic warhead. So I don't know. Maybe I've got ten in total. There's a little, yeah. Okay. But that's that, that's enough, I think. <laughs> I find that they all look alike when you have them all together, though. Well, they Is all it... look alike, and they've all got those dead black eyes, <laughs> and they stare at me like from some kind of plastic hell that they've all been trapped in. <laughs> um, so, Nick, have you added to your Funko collection yet, or are you still waiting um, for that perfect Funko to start with? The I have a couple already. Like, on my desk right now, I have... Uh, Funko Bob Ross looking at me on my shelf behind me. Like if I would click on my video, you'd see a bunch of Fantasia pops. Um, <coughs> on my shelf downstairs with my music, I've got Prince, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Lemmy from Motorhead, oh, Rush, nice. and uh, the uh, and Justice for All statue. And with my movies slash uh, uh, TV ones or movies and TV box sets, I've got Mr. Robot. I've got uh, God, Hellraiser, uh, Sans. I got a handful of them. I got two Godzilla ones. I'm looking at uh, any of the newer Godzilla ones from Godzilla vs. Kong. So I got I got a handful of them. On my desk at work, actually, <laughs> I have uh, it's Jaws eating the orca, and Quint is sliding down into his mouth. Oh, it nice. is terrifying for a Funko, but it's or a Funko, but it's adorable because it's it's Funko. Like I'll have to take a picture and, and show you guys sometime. But it is it is goofy. Nice. Is there any sort of like Funkos that you want them to come out with? I mean, we obviously mentioned the much desired Maki Ito one for myself. Uh, quite... <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to say, I have on my desk so I can go, What's up, motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Yeah. Um, I love uh, Godzilla versus Biollante. Mm. And I don't think they would ever make a Biollante Funko Pop, but I would love a Biollante Funko Pop. Yeah. Like, I really would, but, you know, I don't see that happening any... I don't think there's a big market for Godzilla versus Biollante, but... I mean, maybe it's just me. <laughs> you know, who knows? I'm surprised they haven't done more of the Godzilla ones, and I was very disappointed by their Mecha Godzilla. Um, they feel that they phoned it in a bit around the mouth. Cause I was in, That's a bummer. I was in, like, Smith's, and I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I'm have a Mecha Godzilla, that'd be pretty cool. But then I looked at the detailing, and the Kong looks too cartoonish in the face it's um yeah it, it is a bit of a bummer it looks kind of like the uh, gorilla from sing okay uh, all right yeah i can see um, that um not like you know the kaiju king that he is so but um yeah steven what about yourself anything you're holding out for well if we're going to keep it kaiju obviously there's two that i really want they might exist i doubt they do so obviously i want a king caesar one because Ooh. he's my favorite <laughs> or he's my favorite for all weird reasons <laughs> um or a gamera gamera would be very good to have it's the right shape for a funko mm. as well um normally the less like genuinely surprised there isn't one already you know it's a good point um of the gamera ones i think i would like a guron i think that'd be pretty cool which is like the um the dog with the knife head and obviously, I want an Angulus, but I think he's again he's a he's the wrong sort of shape to 
them to make one of so unless he was rolled up <laughs> have a spiky ball <laughs> but then he'd roll off my desk <laughs> and also I think it's pretty close to being a weapon <laughs> as we'll actually see later tonight <laughs> true but yeah as uh, we obviously go into the Christmas season as well is there anything you guys are like saving to watch over the festive period it doesn't have to be Asian cinema related I don't know if you've got like Something you're putting aside for like Christmas Day, Boxing Day, when you've had enough of your in-laws? Probably one last watch of uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. We start that Thanksgiving night and we'll watch it once a week at least up until Christmas. So probably Christmas Day will be the last watch for that. Oh, nice. Stephen, what about yourself? Oh, I don't know. I always watch um, – so sort of two ones I always watch is, is um, the classic um, – it's a Wonderful Life. Sorry, I nearly forgot the title of It's a Wonderful Life. And <laughs> had to go and jump off a high building because that was about, that was the end of me. Although, obviously, Clarence would come and save me. So that, yeah, I always, I always try and fit that in. And I always try and fit in as, um, a South Korean film called Windstruck, which happens to be based around Christmas, where people die and cry and stuff. But that's just me. Sheesh. <laughs> I like a, I like a nice dark rom com a Korean rom com with <laughs> You don't say <laughs> What about you, Richard? I'm gonna no, probably watch Tokyo Godfathers myself. I think oh. that's uh, a really fun Christmas romp from Satoshi Khan. And I'll probably watch something like really random. I've got like I said, I've got a bunch of Shaw Brothers movie on the Arrow player that I want to watch. I've got like five Charlie Masters or Something like Five Deadly Venoms. I might just rewatch Mighty Peking Man again. That was a really fun, bizarre romp, uh, which I can't believe Will Slater of Exploding Helicopter beat me to it. <laughs> he um he beat us both. It's two times he's done that now because he did Penguin's Memory, A Tale of Happiness first, and he also did Mighty Peking Man first as well. So for a podcast about Exploding Helicopters, he's ahead of the game. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, also... it's surprising what he'll watch. Just for an exploding helicopter. It will. I've seen like some of the stuff that he he watches, which is like those like DTV action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like watches like the Rise of the Foot Soldier movies. He's got a very, he's got more surprising taste than David Brooke has, who constantly switches <laughs> somehow between like highbrow and lowbrow. He is know? an enigma when it comes to his taste. I have no. I mean, we pin, we had him do twenty five top twenty five Asian cinema for us. And we still have no idea what his taste like. <laughs> but um, on to tonight's viewing. Obviously, we're talking about Godzilla Final Wars. Um, as I said, this was, for the longest time, the final Godzilla movie. And as we mentioned already, it wrapped up the Millennium Saga, which was the third era of the Godzilla movies. This was the sixth century of that saga, which started with Godzilla 2000. And this really set to bring an end to godzilla films as we know it after this film they dismantled the stage and the big water tank and as far as uh, toho were concerned they were not going to be making any more godzilla movies this was going to be the very last one and then obviously shin godzilla came out and revived the interest completely along with legendary's godzilla movies as well speaking of which i mean the legendary godzilla series i mean obviously is now a full trilogy of films how do we find the legendary series in terms of like godzilla movies in order boring excellent romp ah. and yeah that was all right 
Well, that was very insightful, Stephen. <laughs> well, I thought the original, I thought the, the first Godzilla movie was the most boring, one of the most boring things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was dull. It was focused on the wrong things. The the lead guy was like wandering around the world and never really got anywhere. Um, it was quite nice when you know when I, I don't, I'm not I don't have a problem with Godzilla not being in it much. I just thought the basically I think that they had um. Oh, what's his name from Breaking Bad and um, Brian Cranston? Uh, oh, Brian Cranston, Riddle, yeah. And that, the bits with him early on was really good, and then they killed him off because obviously he had other things to be doing. And then it was just dull, dull, dull. Kong Skull Island was just a fucking treat. Yeah, well, utterly unexpected. It was just a really, really fun romp. I thought King of the Monsters was okay. I think it was one more for the fans of the genre. Rather than bring randos in, um, um, and Kong versus Godzilla was well, it was stupid because we've already ascertained he's king of the monsters. It was never any doubt. <laughs> yeah, it was, the second two were fine, but Kong Skull Island was an absolute treat, and I wish the others had that kind of rompy feel to them. Yeah. Were you disappointed that they went with Mecha Godzilla instead of Mecha King Ghidorah for Godzilla vs. Kong? Or no, Kong I was vs. Right. I was I was sad King Caesar didn't turn up, basically. But no, it was I wasn't I wasn't bothered because we'd already had Ghidorah, haven't we? In um, King of the Monsters, I, I quite like them just bringing something new in. It, it kind of made sense with the mythology they were building up, wasn't it? With the um, with the secret organization yeah. building it, but it was it was fine. But just they they were just maybe a little pompous i don't okay. know what do you th- what do you think guys <laughs> i've i've enjoyed all of them uh the one from 2014 i wish they would have had something a little more familiar than just the mutos maybe bring that in like later on uh, when you're not relying on um you know just familiarity um, I like you. I agree. Kong Skull Island was so much fun. It was it completely not what I thought it was going to be, and I had an absolute ball with it. I loved King of the Monsters. I'm like in tears in the theaters watching it because I'm like, here's my childhood of sitting around watching these VHS tapes, and it's just big. It's on the screen. It's you know crazy CGI. Could have been better. Sure, they all can be better. But just seeing that and and absolutely loving it, I do wish Godzilla vs. Kong had uh, uh, Mecha King Ghidorah because I feel like having a secret, like they want to rebuild this thing to help kill Godzilla. And then when it doesn't work, you do like a Godzilla Returns, and then that's when we bring out Mecha Godzilla yeah. and just try to you know wreck his shit. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'll, I'm going to be there, like regardless. So the, so the legendary universe is over now, though, isn't it? They've lost the rights of all return to Toho, haven't they? Really? It's up in the air at the moment because there's talk about them doing Godzilla vs. Pacific Rim, uh, which Del Toro is very excited about doing. But Ugh. Del Toro is another of those directors who has like such a huge slate of ideas mm. like Aronofsky and Rodriguez. He just throws out ideas constantly of things he would like to do, but very rarely either has the go-ahead to do them. Um, which is surprising since he's like an Oscar winner and has got this, you know, money-making back catalogue that he still mm-hmm. has to, like, beg studios for, like, to make in the mouths of madness. Just, 
He just gets attached to things all the time, doesn't he? I mean, he must spend 200 days of the year going to meetings, getting attached to our things, and that never, ever come to fruition. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of that idea, to be honest with you. I think, I, think I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Pacific Rim sequel, let alone taking it even mm. further. I didn't care for either of Yeah, Pacific Rim sequels suffered because it was more just like giant robots fighting each other than, you know... There's nothing wrong with that. Monsters. Nothing wrong with that per se. (laughs) (laughs) Just make it interesting. Indeed. But obviously, with because of the final wars, I mean, this was originally designed to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the franchise. Godzilla also got his walk on a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame um, just before the (laughs) film was released as well. Which there are pictures online of him breathing radioactive fire on his star. I really want to see hear what the the speech was for that one. Probably talking like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Just giving a thumbs up. <laughs> It'd be like when they try to interview the Wombles on TV, and then they realise that Wombles don't talk. <laughs> so the film opens with a final battle between Godzilla and the Air Forces in Antarctica, which leads to Godzilla being encased in ice. Um, and in the meantime... Humanity moves on and has developed, evolved so that there are now mutants uh, who are then recruited into the Earth Defense Force to battle the monsters that still exist. Um, at the same time, the world has now been introduced by a new alien threat because it's been a while since we've had aliens in the saga. So, of course, why not bring them back? And these aliens called the Zillions who have turned up to warn that there's an incoming planet called Gurf that is soon going to impact with Earth. And Earth being the gullible souls that we am, you know, despite the fact that we've had like 50 years of aliens teeing them up with monsters to destroy the Earth, think, oh no, these must be good aliens, which of course they are not. As the Zillions soon, soon start uh, setting out with their plans of world domination using the Earth's monsters against the Earth, leading the Earth Defense Force to wake up a very angry Godzilla in hopes that he will side with the Earth Force and help them defeat the monsters once for all in a final war. Opening thoughts on this one. This is directed by Ryu Kitamura, who previously gave us the likes of Versus and Battle Royale, a director who has the very much anything-goes approach. So if he wants to make a movie about Yakuza and zombies and swords, then he will go off and make that, as we saw with Versus. Or if he wants to make a movie about baseball and zombies, then again, he will do that, as he saw with Battlefield Baseball. He is... Um, as I said, he's a director who doesn't limit himself in genre or by ideas, and certainly he was an interesting choice to take on the Godzilla franchise, and gives us that most renowned quote of saying that to be asked to do a Godzilla movie was being same as a British director being asked to direct a Bond movie. Um, approaching the series as not only a fan, but also pretty much in awe of the legacy that came before it. But what do we think of his mark that he left on the Godzilla franchise? He was, back in 2004, the enfant terrible of Japanese filmmaking. So it's both surprising and unsurprising that he was chosen. Um, I don't think he was necessarily the most obvious fit, but he was the trendy voice that was out there. It was, And if this was going to be either the last Godzilla film ever or the last Godzilla film for 10 years, depending on what you read. It was it was it was an interesting choice. It'd be a bit like um, usually James Bond directors are pretty 
they're not they're not usually superstar directors are they um maybe you could say sam mendes maybe but anyway um i just thought this was this was this was godzilla inspired by not only sort of godzilla film well destroy all monsters let's be honest about it um with a little bit of brian singer's x-men with a little bit of the matrix with a little bit of street hawk um it was it was there was a lot going on at quite a lot of pace with a lot of ideas um although at the same time just reimagining of what we'd seen before if that makes sense yeah nick um what what do you think of this one i mean obviously you're coming into this obviously as a another godzilla fan so that's very interesting to see what you'd made of this one so yeah it was it was weird because it went from i feel like the film started and they got away from godzilla and they kind of focus on the monsters and they're just kind of having their own thing going on with the you know zillions and 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 the m bases and and everything like that and all of a sudden it's almost like they went oh yeah that's right this is a godzilla movie and they jump back into it and bring godzilla in and i feel like they kind of rushed through some of the monsters which disappointed me because i'm like i kind of wanted to see a little bit more i get the joke of like him you know kicking zilla's ass in like like 30 seconds maybe and that's more of like a fan service of like ah we get it this one sucked and blah 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 but i i guess i wanted a little bit more out of it i wanted to kind of get away from the matrix alien story that they were telling and just have a little bit more time with the villains and their battle with godzilla and just just more of what we're here for like we're here for godzilla taking everybody out like just a little more time with that yeah because i mean godzilla once he's in case the ice we've seen him at the start and then he doesn't appear again until the hour mark yeah um yeah. and instead we get we get to see some of the other we get to see the other monsters and some of them have been given cgi upgrades such as like rodan um zilla obviously returns in cgi form and i appreciate the fact that when it came to um came to the effects here, they didn't just rely on cg they did a lot of the suit work as well um, yeah i was I, really happy about that i know that they said that when it came down to it it's all like we've been making these movies for 50 like odd years doing suits why would we bother changing it now and i appreciate i certainly appreciate that because there is a, a real presence a lot of the character of, of these monsters is derived from those suits even though some of them work a little better than others like rodan still looks like a awkward chicken um <laughs> spygra just sort of shuffles along and i have no idea what moffa is supposed to be in that lava form it just plays silly string on things so <laughs> Yeah, obviously we've uh, I've seen you already touched on it already. I mean, this is very much just destroy monsters, but reworked um, with aliens kidnapping the world's monsters and using them against humanity. The Zillions themselves, when we obviously look at the previous alien races that we've seen before, especially like in the Shara era, which was like very much sort of like in that sort of B movie mold, a lot of alien uh, plots there. The Zeal and uh, one of these aliens called I keep calling them Xenials, but they're not Xenials. The Zillions, well. isn't it? The Zillions, yeah. Um, well, I mean, what do we really sort of make of them? I mean, they're just basically a bunch of guys in like trench coats and. Well, they are. They're 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 people who stopped off and caught a copy of the Matrix on the way down. <laughs> There's a lot of grimacing and facial stuff going on, but yeah. they are. Are they not? 
also they must have watched V as well because I'm yeah. going to eat everybody. This 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 film has just got so many sort of ideas robbed from the late nineties yeah. that that it's put on. I still, yeah, the zillions are the least of my problems. It's these mutants that really bug me. <laughs> What's that all about? And all this nonsense about M-Base. I d- again, that might just be the the um, subtitles on the DVD that I've got of it. <laughs> it's like, it makes no sense in any any way, shape or form. And it's, sh- you know, a bit of me thinks, well, it shouldn't do. This is a Godzilla film. Shut up, Stephen. Try to make it so serious. Yeah. If you want a serious <laughs> Godzilla film, go and watch Shin Godzilla and go back to the boardroom. But just there was just too much. There was too much going on that led to very little, really, and stopped us seeing what we're here for, which is an anniversary let's let's have all the monsters fight each other story true yeah but do you yeah. not appreciate it... the fact the air forces are led by stalin <laughs> yeah i mean yeah who, who who amazingly can speak english and understand japanese i don't know the guy i see that he's a, a wrestler or something or an mma star or something i mean he's yeah, I mean, he's always willing to bring out his his sword against people like Godzilla. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> None of that's about. And also, I'm guessing the spaceship, it doesn't mean anything to me, the ship they're going around. Well, that does seem to be from another series of films and therefore fan service in and of itself. The um, Atragon. Or the Gotanago, as it's called on my scene. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, it's um, it is a separate um series of anime and um, special effects films. Um, but it's it's in. I don't think they've had any sort of official release over here. I think you can get like fan subs of them over here. It's the sort of thing that August Vergoni uh, often like brings up. He's all like, oh yeah, remember this thing? It's like no. No, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously the human mutants, that's a, was an interesting angle, especially when you've got like the scene of them taking on um, a Byra, the uh, giant mm. shrimp. Um, and also it means it's another one for the girls with rockets list, which I was very happy about because we get to see a woman with a rocket launcher, which is always welcome. Is that, that your new podcast coming? No, it's just my own brain list. <laughs> I just like to, like, will charts explode in helicopters? I yeah, like to make... Uh, I, I, I was thinking maybe this is this is a new list for you, girls with rocket launchers. I just, I just on Letterboxd, I just like making random lists. I like, <laughs> I pick a, like a, 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 some, like some bizarre sub, you know, element of films, like, you know, girls with rockets or girls with patches or, you know, chainsaw movies, death by wood chip or whatever it happens to be. And then I just like <laughs> logging them on Letterboxd because I have, apparently a lot of time on my hands <laughs> <laughs> yes i want to be the guy with the 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 complete list of girls with eye patches so <laughs> 29 films and counting <laughs> that, that, that's a podcast series mate <laughs> oh i've got enough podcast series going i mean i've as i said uh, without detracting too much on this again i already got my podcast in the works where we cover the life and works of Orkafina called Stalkafina, which will be coming in the year. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love that title. <laughs> Keep laughing, it helps with the lawsuits. <laughs> I was gonna say, but but we're not joining in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stephen also has another another podcast in the way in the new year, which is got the same feeling of slitting your wrists. 
Yeah, we do have we have Jesus. something new new that, that that that's very jolly, but won't get us any lawsuits. <laughs> no. Anyway, back to this movie. Not only do we have mutants and some link with monsters, three quarters away the film they invent some other bloody thing of super mutants. Well, they call them Kaisers, which is mm-hmm. which is a really you need to think you should have thought about that when you show it in Germany. Um. Where, where, where some mutants are super mutants and some aliens are super aliens and one of the monsters is a super, mo- oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's just desperate to constantly up the ante. Partly yeah. because Godzilla wipes the fucking floor with everybody. <laughs> he does. And there's very little qualms about Godzilla killing other monsters because normally we have like the long drawn out battle or he just like piles them up. But this one, like, Geigen gets blown up at least three times in the same movie. What's the one? What's the one that's like a, a praying mantis? That oh, that's gets, Geigen. Um, that gets no, the one that gets impaled on the um. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, I mean, he, he last three seconds and and is impaled on a telegraph pole. Well, no, an electricity pylon, isn't it? It's like that's a bit. Never really seen it quite that bad before. <laughs> so. It's not. I mean, it's the sort of violence we normally expect from like the Gamera series. Mm. Um, that, which is again another weird one because he's the friend to all children. Yet he has scenes where he blows his own hand off or he like gushes <laughs> blood everywhere. And it's like I don't see the balance here, guys. It's yeah. In that same scene, we got Hedora, who's like the smog monster, and it's like there's so many surprising choices when it comes to the monsters in this movie. I mentioned you mentioned already that we got King Caesar's in this. We get to see um, Dora, Manda's in it. And these are like a lot of characters that we've not seen in like, I really since like Destroyer Monsters, I think a lot of these were sort of like taken out of the mothballs because they belong to other series and they were just sort of thrown into Destroyer Monsters. They just sort of like, fine, but just throw everything at the screen with that film. And then we didn't really see him since. And... I mean, Angelus comes back in this one, who's like one of the greatest kaiju of all time. Um, mm-hmm. and There's an elephant in the room, though, mate. There's that? one that comes back that I really could have done without. Which one's that? Oh, come on. Do I need to say the word? I don't even want to say its name, but it, Manila. Fuck off. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fact we have a gun and we don't shoot it. <laughs> I don't even know what that was all about. <laughs> It's like this weird subplot where Manila turns up with a little boy and a da- and, and his granddad, yeah. who appears to be Grizzly Adams, but Japan style. <laughs> oh, it's like, I'm sitting there. Wa- oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, there's a deep dive for you. And and then they sort of wander around for the film just in their own little world. Manila then clearly grows, but not enough, and and manages to stop. I mean, I still don't understand how Manila is Godzilla's son. I have never... Um, he's it's kind of the missing. adopted son, because um, it's very unclear, because he first appears in Godzilla and Son, which was, like, part of the attempts to, like, give Godzilla a more human sort of side. Mm. So you see the eyes become more Japanese, and the fact he's got a son, the tone of the film is a lot lighter. But it that one opens with Godzilla going to this island and dropping an egg. And then he randomly comes back to this island and it's almost like he adopts the site. It doesn't feel like he's got any sort of connection and there's no explanation why he's not his egg. It's unclear. I know. know, Well, it's 
obviously in in American Godzilla, it's very clear because Godzilla's a woman laying eggs. So I wonder if they make them spider. But I really could have done without Manila. I just it it's just from a different sort of movie. Yeah. Um, and just weird. But I guess if again if it's an anniversary thing. I, I kind of get it, but I did like the way it wasn't all the, it wasn't all Mothra and Rodan. It was some, some pretty deep dives into ones I've never seen before. So I quite like that. Yeah. Like I was really happy to see Hedora, uh, the kind of like little smog monster running around. I was like, Oh my God, I love seeing him. Like it was, it was great to see them go really deep dive as well as like some fan favorites outside of, you know, Manila. It was funny. We're, I was sitting on the couch watching it and the wife was in and out of the room when I was watching it and he came on the screen and she's like, he has a son. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, it's he just short answer. Yes. It's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I didn't understand was, and maybe I missed it. Maybe I blinked or something, but the, the, the idea is, is that I think that the aliens are related to the monsters. Therefore they can control them because of this M base thing. But yeah, for some reason, yeah, metachlorines, exactly. For some reason, Godzilla isn't related to them, and the Earth Defense Force just happened to know this for some... Oh, that's what we're going to get. And I'm guessing neither's Mothra. But none of it's ever really explained. We're just... Okay. Well, Godzilla it's... was um, created through the H-bomb testings. Right. So he's not a monster from space like the others. Mothra's a, the goddess of Earth. I see. So all the other ones are ones with an alien backstory. Yeah, they're basically that at some point they came to Earth, and that's why they can be uh, controlled. Okay, well that that actually makes sense. I don't think King Caesar did though. King Caesar just was an animated fucking <laughs> lion at, the, at a cave. <laughs> I, I I think I think that I think this is King, bullshit. King Caesar was just <laughs> going along with the crowd. Yeah, because he's no, sort of like. Just, it's just weird that they just sort of decided that it would be all right to unleash him because they just assumed he didn't have M-Base in him, a thing they only discovered 20 yeah. minutes earlier. <laughs> when it kids like King Caesar, they were like, yeah, you know what, you just have that one. <laughs> What's he going to do exactly? <laughs> He's going to fucking waddle on and kick your ass. <laughs> um, yeah, King Caesar with his bizarre comedic time. There's a lot of bizarre comedy in this, like King Caesar's ears that like pop up in surprise. And, <gasps> yeah. Um, the fact Manila at one point tries to drive the truck. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so like, ridiculous. it's like, no Manila. <laughs> um, we also get to see, continuing the bizarre comedy of this movie. Um, we get to see Angus booted around like a football in his, his, uh, spike ball form including godzilla doing a dive looking like he's uh reenacting the cover of escape to glory yeah well i was, I was, I was, I was yeah i was checking the timeline on this i'm thinking is there still a are they still excited after the 2002 world cup when it was in japan or something <laughs> 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 it was um yeah it, was, it wasn't it wasn't the most comedic godzilla moment ever but it was a bit weird in the context of this movie it was um Tonally, it was all over the place. It was like part pantomime, part homage, part quite serious. Yeah. And I think that's the problem I have when it comes to like the fight scenes. A lot of the fight scenes are just so played for laughs. 
especially with mm. some of the minor monsters. I mean, obviously with like the the A plus like players, things like uh, Gigan and King Ghidorah, we get uh, some really sort of creative fight scenes. There, especially with Gigan, who gets a whole bunch of new tricks, um, including the upgraded chainsaw blade hands. Yeah, that was, that was kind of awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Like the child, or not the child, but the younger kid me was like, "Get him!" Was <laughs> <laughs> just so excited for no reason. Um, yeah, because I mean, I've always Gigan's always been like one of my favorites ever since I saw Godzilla vs. Gigan, which has like both Gigan and King Ghidorah. It's sort of like the best um, evil monster pairing ever. That one was, even yeah. if they did make them randomly talk for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, but compared to what the other sort of Godzilla movies where you have like the A plot where Godzilla is battling whatever monster of the week and then you have the B plot which is only, normally some like human distraction to sort of cover for the fact the budget won't cover just monster action all the way through uh, usually involving aliens this one had a really unique B plot in the fact that it's just action all the way through. It's sort of like if you're not watching monsters fight, you're watching mutants fight, and it's a lot of like um, sort of superpowered sort of um, Kamen Rider sort of uh, Power Rangers style action here. So where like you've got the super mutants versus the alien fighters, and it's set up very early on that like oh whatever we want to do, like if we want to have a fight on motorcycles, yeah we can do that. If we want to have them leap through the air and like scale across buildings yeah totally fine and it just means that we have to have action like all the way through this movie and i don't know what you guys thought of like the human plot of this one i um i appreciated the non-stop action through it even though it was just essentially uh, a matrix send-off and there was even some moments when like godzilla and them were fighting and they're like doing jumps off of walls <laughs> and back weird backflip things um but I mean, I I, I dug it because it was very different. But there's still part of me that really likes the kind of analogy for what's going on in the world currently, or like weird conspiracy theory things when they're trying to unlock this mystery. I I always tend to appreciate those just a little bit more. Um, what kind of hurt me on this viewing is I couldn't find a non-dubbed version. I'm very much a you you want watch it in the language that it's in and you get the All subtitles right. with it and i i couldn't have that this time around and so it felt more hokey and i'm mm. like oh, i really didn't want that but all things considered you know it is what it is with having the uh the bit like that but yeah i i kind of i kind of wished for just a little more like mystery and intrigue or something but I, at the same time i did appreciate like the non-stop action i mean i wouldn't have expected anything else from this director i mean Versus, if you remember, we watched that not that long ago, didn't we, Edward? And it's yeah. just, it's just constant kinetic energy <coughs> the whole way along. In fact, it can be quite exhausting. Um, so this, I mean, I had seen this before, but maybe I'm better informed about kaiju movies now than when I saw it the first time. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it's, it's, I, I, I like you. I kind of appreciate some of those other ones, you know, where there's a mystery to be solved and the human time seems valuable. Whereas the human time here just seemed like just more <laughs> late. It's it's like having a really nice cake and then someone's put even more buttercream icing on the top and then you just didn't <laughs> eat it anymore, you know? It, it's just, I think it's just too much. But I do also kind of understand why. You didn't like find like the incredible tense moments where the professor's being questioned about the name of his dog by the reporter. And it's sort of like, oh, 
What's the name of your dog, Professor? And then he's like <laughs> pretending that it's the uh, he knows the dog. Uh, no, was, is it Professor? No, it's the head of the United Nations, mate. That's who it is. Okay. <laughs> it's Kofi Annan being, being or whoever was head of the United Nations then, <laughs> Ban Ki Moon or someone, being. For some reason, I don't even know where how she got to this point, being challenged in the name of his dog, when it turned out it wasn't his dog anyway, it was her dog, and he wasn't him. He was some zillion um, replacement. But they didn't bother killing him, even though all they're talking about is eating the human cattle all the time. And he comes back later in, a, in the shiniest suit I've ever seen. <laughs> And start talking about how they called him Deadly Shot or something. There's weird oh, yeah. in this film that's just like, why? But the alien reveals are pretty cool. It's basically a fish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, mine's, yeah. It's, 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 it may have reminded me of V, but it's not as good as V. <laughs> I think you've got very nostalgic memories of how good V was. I watched it again fairly recently. It, 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 it holds up just fine, apart from any bit where Diana's eating anything, then it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously there's a lot of inspirations all over the place, and as, as sort of Nick's pointed out as well, clearly Kitamura wishes he made The Matrix. <laughs> he had some good scenes though i'm not gonna lie the bullet time they used was really effective and some of it did look some of it did look good others not so much but after the first time it happened i'm like uh okay cool but then when it kept happening i'm like we get it <laughs> you don't have to keep doing this please was there any particular like monster or anything that you obviously wanted to see in this movie that wasn't featured i mean obviously for such a big anniversary title that's essentially bringing the whole gang back together for like one final outing uh was there any sort of things that you were missing i mean obviously balanti was missing so um i don't know if there's anything else that you felt <laughs> should have been in there i um i was kind of bummed at first that we didn't get any Ghidorah, but when monster x started to mutate i'm like here we go i'm like this is gonna be it because his head was starting to split i'm like this is the one and then when it morphed into, I was like, I jumped for joy nearly. I was so excited. And again, the wife was like, what? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was very pleased with that. Everything else, I mean, for me, it scratched that itch. Uh, like you said, Angiria, seeing him, even seeing some of, like, the weird one-offs, like Kamanga and Kabakaris, like, it was just kind of cool to see those again. And also like friendly reminders of like, Oh yeah, he, he did fight that. Or, Oh yeah, that was that. And it makes you want to go back and watch some of those older films. Like I, I really want to just go through that criterion box set again and just bask in the glory that is. Um, but yeah, definitely seeing Ghidorah was like really fun. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, that's the thing. Cause I kept, when I watched the Godzilla movies, I always watched them dubbed because that's how they were always shown of it. So I'd never really watched some subtitles until now. So this mm. was actually my first time watching Godzilla Final Wars with a dubbed cut. And mm. it was kind of interesting. There was a couple of scenes that I noticed were different, um, such as when X is being interviewed with the radio guy. Um, in the subtitle cut, it seems that he's just some like random performer who's like become enamored with the aliens. And he's decided to call himself X. And at the end he goes, oh, you're boring. I'm done with you now. Um, whereas in the dubbed cut, it's like, oh no, this is actually X of the Zillions. He's, you know, he's one of the aliens. So it was kind of weird, that bizarre change there. 
Um, I wonder why that was. I have no idea why, but I don't. There's something about Godzilla movies not being dubbed. It's like when you watch like kung fu movies not dubbed. There's a certain charm to watching the dubbed versions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because it adds it adds a level of silliness to it that makes it a little. It just sort of plays in well into the fact you watch the giant monsters fight each other and destroy Tokyo. Mm-hmm. The same way that with the Shaw Brothers, it's like you're watching guys say fantastical things, sort of like, oh, your tiger style is strong, but my dragon style is stronger. And yeah. Like, <laughs> that dragon. You, you're so ingrained in this of like what what uh, Kung Fu cinema is. Um, and mm-hmm. having it subtitles means it, it gives it a level of seriousness because you associate subtitles with like, you know, highbrow cinema like um, Kurosawa. Um, so I just find it a bit weird when you like watch kung fu movies in the the subtitles. So, but yeah, you know, that's just my personal preference. I mean, as you said, Sue, um, like, if it's in the language it's supposed to be in, that's where you prefer it. So everyone's got their personal preferences. So subtitles all the way. Of course you would. I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't the... stand dubs. Representing the highbrow party over here, Stephen. Well, for the reasons you said, it's oh god, yeah. I'm really. I found a cop a cheap, a very cheap copy on eBay, which yeah. I was very glad about because I only had a dub, and it was like driving me mental. And then when I saw, when I actually watched it again with subtitles, uh, but except for Don Fry, who's still speaking English. Yeah, so it's weird. It's the same as like <laughs> Invasion of the Astro Monsters, like. The American cast will all speak English, and everyone else speaks like Japanese, and somehow everyone understands each other. Yeah, it, it, it's and and I know that he. I did some looking up on him. You know, he was he lived. He could speak Japanese as far as I could work out. So I don't know why they decided to do that. Um, my favourite thing though is that it's got Mothra in it and addresses the big. The only flaw with destroying monsters where Mothra remains a lava the entire fucking time in destroy all monsters which i've never understood why but at least i got to, we got to see mothra and we got to see mothra kick some ass and we got to see the the little twin fairy thing <laughs> i've always found that whole thing utterly charming because it just makes no sense but they've stuck with it for multiple movies they have i mean mothra went on a rampage to get him back in uh, her own movie mm. um, but it's I think they're even in... Are they in King of the Monsters? Do they make an appearance of sorts? I can't remember. But I think there's a wink and a nod. I don't there think is, that's right. Official. That's right, it's a wink and a nod. But I, 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 like, I just like that because Mothra's like none of the others. It just... None of, none of Mothra makes any sense to me. <laughs> but I find it utterly charming from top to bottom. So I was glad to see that. And I, yeah, I really just... In, King, in Destroyer Monsters, I don't understand why she remains a lava just slowly going across the land and the, the um yeah but they're getting in a Ib- horror the deep or godzilla versus the sea monsters to give it its stupid american title um she spends the whole time asleep and then only bothers to wake up where the island's gonna blow up it's like oh time to do something now Moth, say, what can you do? She just sits there getting worshipped by her followers on Infant Island, doing nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me wonder, like, if they'd done that with the original Godzilla, because originally it was a King Kong movie um, called Operation Robinson Crusoe, and I wonder if Mothra would have still been in it, or if Mothra was added because of it being a Godzilla property. 
Anything else on Final Wars that uh, you want to talk about? I mean, obviously it wasn't the Final Wars, uh, so to speak, because obviously you came back as Shin Godzilla or Godzilla War Room, which was a weird film. I still never really completely got on board with it compared to like the other movies, which I watched like multiple times. So there's just something about Shin Godzilla that just didn't really stick with me. There's some there's some marvellous things in Shin Godzilla, like the way Godzilla revolves and that the way that the even though it's all CGI, they still kind of CGI it to look like a man in a suit. But then there's terrible things about it, like they literally freeze Godzilla halfway through the film so they can go and have more chats in the fucking war room. <laughs> it's far too talky and it's paced weirdly. Um, I don't know how well or bad it did, but there hasn't. I know, I know they've gone, you know, they've allowed the rights out to the the whole legendary thing, but I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a Japanese Godzilla movie. But this one, interestingly, um, was very much designed for the American market. It was um, premiered in the states, not in Japan. Um, obviously, tying into like you said earlier, mate, about Godzilla getting his star on the Hall of Fame which again he's not fucking real <laughs> how dare you well, other other you're not real part of, well are we just a construct in somebody else yeah you've been watching the Matrix as well have you um but but other other I guess Mickey Mouse is, I don't know but have other fictional characters got yeah. stars Mickey Mouse has I think Bambi has one on on there um you're gonna to have to look it up now to see what who else has got um stars in the hollywood walk and fame but, but, kermit anyway. the frog has he? yeah kermit the frog i just pulled up the list real quick uh alvin and the chipmunks big bird bugs bunny kermit the frog the munchkins okay muppets rugrats shrek the simpsons snoopy snow white tinkerbell winnie the pooh and woody the woodpecker he's my favorite growing up anyway that's not the the point is i think this film was trying to pander a bit to america and maybe maybe godzilla maybe lost a bit of its luster in japan don't know but shin godzilla didn't fix that um the film score was uh, composed by keith emerson of emerson lake and palmer yeah <laughs> Unbelievably, and it's got some forty-one, which again is so two thousand and four. I was a little bummed out. I'm not gonna lie about uh, not hearing like the traditional Godzilla theme. I think we caught a Ooh. snippet of it, but then everything else was that either like hard rock or weird drum and bass yeah. from like the early two thousands, like techno-y kind of scene. And I'm like, just I, I just want a little bit more of that traditional. Hit me with it, but. You know, at least we got a, at least we got a, like a taste. Um, Emerson was given the job by Kidamo while attending Emerson's Japanese concerts at the time. His main concern was the lack of time before going on tour um, and ended up being given two weeks to write the score and ended up writing more music than was used for the film. Uh, in the opening, we do actually get the little hint of the Godzilla march in there, which is kind of reworked where we get the little flashbacks to the previous entries in the film which I thought was nice it tries to add a timeline to the whole franchise um, but yeah the 741 uh, provide the track we're all to blame which is uh, using Godzilla's round the world rampage 
he just goes around to like Australia and beats up Zilla and just like <laughs> that was again that was the problem it's sort of like when it came to him fighting the monsters it didn't feel particularly organic it just felt like oh he's in Australia he's now in New York it's all like mm. whereas all the monsters like appearing around the world felt like really great uh, mm. the same way as like when we watched Destroy Monsters it's sort of like oh Godzilla's in New York Rodan's in Russia um those yeah, those scenes seem great, but when Godzilla goes hunting him down, it's just sort of like, oh, he's just randomly jumping from location to location. So. It's, it's like um, it's like watching a Godzilla Viewmaster. You just and it's suddenly you're here, and suddenly you're there, and it wasn't. It didn't feel particularly organic. Um, I don't know. It was. It was. It was. I feel like I'm being a bit of a Debbie Downer on it, and it was a huge amount of fun. It just. I don't know. Is it just a bit of its time? Is it just a bit early 2000s Japanese action movie rather than a Godzilla film? I don't know. I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's they want it to have that traditional Godzilla feel, but maybe they weirdly wanted it updated at the same time. And I think it gets stuck between those two worlds. Hmm. I find the Millennium Saga is probably one of the more overlooked eras of Godzilla, when we look at obviously the uh, Shara era and the Heisei era, there's some real sort of standout classics, I mean obviously with the Shara era, it's just top to bottom, it's all pretty great apart from like um, the one where they're on, that bully kid goes to Monster Island, I think it's that old monster's attack um, and um, Godzilla vs. Megalon's pretty rough as well mm. and then when you get into the Heisei era, you've got absolute uh, standard classes like Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla Returns um, Godzilla vs. Mothra, they're just all really really great but then when you get into Millennium Saga they always seem to get pretty overlooked like from Godzilla 2000 even though you've got like Godzilla against Mechagodzilla um, mm. they, for some reason these movies just never seem to get the same sort of love that the earlier movies did even though I still hope Criterion does give us like the Hayside collection and the Millennium oh, collection I would love that Oh, um, I mean, Kit, Kit, Kitamura was no fan of the Millennium series, though, was he? He, he, he was almost a, a chance to wipe them out, from what I can understand. He hates them. He only likes the ones in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> and and what, one thing I will say was good. This is a He slimmed down the Godzilla. And I, I think this I think Godzilla looked great in this film because he wasn't. Sometimes he can look a bit like. Well, a bit pear-shaped. It's carrying a bit round the hips, can Godzilla sometimes. So this one a little looked... bloated, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, but but I I thought I thought this Godzilla looked great. Um, look, look, look buff, <laughs> working out a bit or something. I don't know, but I like I liked I liked that bit of it. But I haven't really seen any of the Millennium series, so I can't really say if it's like it or not like it. Do you have a favourite Godzilla suit, Nick? Tom? Hmm. Or any particular films you thought you looked good in? I mean, I, I hate to keep harking back to it, but I just I really like Godzilla versus Biollante or yeah. any time there's like a really good and this is going to sound really weird and specific, but anytime there's a really good rain scene. OK. And you've got like a, it's dark and the occasional flash of show Godzilla's face and it's like just wet with the rain falling down and everything. There's something 
that's like inherently cool, but also terrifying about that. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something about like, I don't know. Rain has like this weird, like impending doom kind of vibe to it or something like that. But it's just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a good suit. I mean, obviously that's the, um, the Heisei Godzilla becomes evil again because he's brought back with modern radiation, which apparently makes you evil. And he's got more of a grimace to him. He's a lot more bulky in the face and it's got, um, almost like a T-Rex sort of face to him. The jawline's sort of more defined, whereas when we look at the, my other favourite suit being like the Destroyer Monsters one, which is like the classic um, Showa-era one. He's not... Mm-hmm. He's moved away from the dinosaur. They've got over the... Let's give him the Japanese eyes look, and he's just got that really sort of classic Godzilla look. Um, those are my two favourite suits, really, so... Um, Good suits. I, I have to say, right, Nick, I, I've never seen Godzilla vs. Bialante, but you've mentioned it twice now, so I thought, I'll, <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> what the f- actual fuck... <laughs> it's a woman with a rose head. <laughs> it's more than that, man. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, I think I love it, but I used to think the smoke monster one was like the absolute limit of <laughs> what I could handle. <laughs> but now, now I'm desperate to go and find this movie because <laughs> just what the hell? Yeah, yeah, and it's also. It's also like the humanity side plot of things too, like what the people are doing during it. I I think is weird, but like a lot of fun at the same time. There's like more terrorist bombing and like a fight against science and stuff like that. Like I I don't know. It's it's it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't work, but it works really well. And what's even more intriguing about it is it was never released theatrically in America. Like it was only ever released in Japan. It was direct to video in the States. And I I was always really like kind of blown away by that. So I'm really hoping at some point, somewhere, sometime I can see this in theaters because I would I would pay I would pay for multiple tickets, but only go once just to financially support <laughs> <laughs> just to support this movie. I, I'm, I'm literally on eBay now. <laughs> oh good luck for the blu-ray those are it's a pretty penny like i've got an old dvd copy that i'm hanging on to for dear life because i i've looked at some of those prices and i'm like one day one day this paycheck's gonna go to that blu-ray and i'm gonna have it <laughs> uh, well i can't even I just, find the dvd I just, um I hope we're there for the conversation you have for your wife nick and it's all like when she goes to the checking account and it's like you spent how much well, see, that's where it works out in my benefit. Right. We both have our own separate accounts, but we have a joint account where all <laughs> of the bills are pulled from. So yeah. as long as the bills are getting paid and there's money in that account, we don't care. <laughs> nice. <sighs> oh, but um, 100, 140 pounds. Yeah, but that's for, the import ones, isn't it, for us? That's a region A. Yeah, whether well, there, there isn't that. Ooh. Region free, hundred and twenty-five pounds. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it, but I'm like, I can't, in my mind, justify that much for a Blu-ray. Uh, now, if it was a 4K, okay, you got my attention. But I'm like, ah, uh, let me just, I'll hold out, and hopefully, like you said, um, uh, Elwood, that Criterion picks it up and does something with it. I hope so. I mean. The Godzilla set, I believe, sold well. Um, I 
remember seeing it's like one of those whenever like Criterion put out a set and stuff it was like one of those few one releases where everyone seemed to be picking it up mm-hmm. so I would hope that it did the numbers required for them to do a further set I mean obviously it falls down to rights and everything else which is just like the burden of the, mo- the movie collector really is the amount of stuff that is not available here for streaming but it's available in the US like when you uh, put the VPN on your like Netflix and stuff and you see like America's got a completely different catalogue than we do which is again it's been the constant burden with like the Arrow players like there's a lot of classic horror slashes and stuff that are on the American version but we just don't get them and it's just a little annoying imagine yeah especially if it's like ones that you're extremely interested in and they're just like not taking the time to you know transfer that over it's a, it's a real bummer it's... I will say this the uh the Godzilla Criterion Collection, that's the last time I paid full price for a Criterion Blu-ray set. Everything else I've been waiting on the uh twice a year half off sales yeah. and hitting them then. But uh, that was the one as soon as they announced it, I'm like day one I'm buying this thing. Like there's no way I'm not. Oh yeah. I mean, it was interesting. We don't we don't get all of Criterion over here. So you normally have to import it. Really? Um yeah. So but some do slip through, um, usually only in HMV for some reason. But the Godzilla set was available in the UK. You know, it, hmm. it's it's not. Um, yeah, most of my Criterion's are well, they're, a they're DVDs and their region whatever America is, and have to have a multi-region DVD player. But some, you know, we, we get we get, I don't know, about a quarter of them. Um, Intr- but, I had no idea. I kind of thought it was. No, um, and sometimes they come out under a different. Is it Eureka, Elwood? Is it Eureka that usually put them out? A different, a different label puts. Yeah, them out. I think it's. It would probably be Eureka who would um, handle them normally for like the Masters of Cinema collection. Mm. Um, That's right. But yeah, I mean, but they can criteria releases some weird things under their label. I mean, I think they do every Coen Brothers movie, and I think The Rock's also under Criterion as well. The Rock, um, the one, what's that ridiculous? Armageddon. That's a, yeah. that, that's a, that's a Criterion. <laughs> but I think what, don't they, don't they, don't they sort of do some quite commercial stuff in order to pay for some of the more random stuff? We're well, not random, mm. but. Well, they, they do, do like, um, they have Sons of the Lambs that mm. was put out. And I'm like, okay, I absolutely agree that it's in there. But it's also one of those more like commercial releases. Like I could see how that's like gaining popularity and puts it in there. So, yeah, yeah. And some of the covers as well. I mean, they've got the best cover for Videodrome because we've got yeah, just true. basically the the awful um, hand drawn cover for Videodrome because it's um, an arrow release over here. So I'm really unhappy with the cover that they've put out for Videodrome, and I keep looking at the Criterion one. It's like. Do I really want to spend that much money just for a fancy cover? <laughs> One um, day I'm going to take that plunge. <laughs> yeah, like I've got that sort of free money nowadays. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's, and then you look at like the Wes Anderson covers and it's like this stupid hand-drawn sketch. It's like, no, maybe not. That's Some of them I kind of like. Isn't that all part of the whole Wes Anderson thing though? Yeah, it's that aesthetic. But I prefer yeah. like the normal poster covers that we have for his, his releases over here, like um, like Roll Tenor Buns and uh, mm. Rush and Rushmore and stuff. I think they've all got such classic covers. 
I, I do quite like is it Arrow do do the reversible, don't they? So yeah. they, they Criterion do. does that too on a handful of them. Yeah, it's it's really nice because they, they they obviously some of the new covers are fantastic and I'm happy with them and then sometimes you just think that nah, I want that I want the original. <laughs> I think one of my favorite time wastes is to go on to Google and just type in fake Criterion and to see like covers people made up for like movies that never get a Criterion release and some of those are just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and the thing is they're too good and it's like God now I want that and it's not happening. <laughs> Hopefully someone at Criterion's watching. I would I mean, just, that, um, that's I the mean, coffee table book I want. The fake Criterion book. Ooh. <coughs> that's nice. That's a nice idea. But sort of bringing it back, though, that, there aren't that many Heisei era or Millennium era movies, right? So There's six wouldn't... in the Millennium. Um, I want to say there's about eight in Heisei. Mm. Um, and again, I mean, there's so many interesting like stories of these, like, Movies, I mean, the fact that Godzilla Spilante, that was written by a dentist who also had a part-time, was like a part-time sci-fi writer. And you think, if like a Hollywood main, like a Hollywood studio, the idea of them putting it out to like the general public saying, you know, creators a monster uh, to be in that movie, which was obviously the case with um, Godzilla vs. Uh, Megalon. J.H. Agro is created by a child who won a competition. And because it's children, they just basically created Ultraman. But obviously they can't call it Ultraman because they have the rights that. So they do, hence we have Jagger who looks exactly like Ultraman, and Bialante again, written by a dentist, not like some screenwriter, just some guy <laughs> who is a dentist and also a, who also fancied himself as a screenwriter to submit the script. The idea that a major studio like Toho would just like shop out ideas that for like their franchise it just blows my mind I mean we do it a little bit over here don't you like some Blue Peter reader can get a Doctor Who monster created but I, I know what you mean sort of feature film yeah but that's Doctor they, Who they, who's watching well, lots of people apparently <laughs> bizarrely um, <laughs> I'm not a new Who fan um, not a new Who fan at all but you know Toho I don't know Jap- the Japanese film industry has been creatively bankrupt for quite a long time and indeed financially bankrupt in a lot of things, <coughs> which is possibly why they are throwing these, you know, giving it to, to America to to try and re-spark. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that there was a there was a competition to create a monster and it doesn't surprise me at all. The one that won was um, not exactly original. That's, that's Japan for you. It's it's entertaining enough, um, but I don't think it's going to be in anyone's top ten Godzilla films. I would agree. Yeah, apart, you know, apart, apart from the oh look, there's a monster I love. You know, it's the only other place I can get King Caesar. <laughs> it's true. He's not exactly in high demand anywhere else. I mean, he wasn't really in high demand in his first appearance, was he? No. I mean, do we need him to come in there? No, but I love it. I just think it's the most ridiculous. Well, I did think it was the most ridiculous until Nick's introduced me to somebody new. I'm, <laughs> I, I might be, I might be fighting you for that Violante um, Funko Pop, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if two of us want it, they've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, right. Absolutely. 
<laughs> in fact, what I am going to do in 2022 is watch these the Heisei, the Heisei and Millennium Era ones because I feel I I wasn't really aware they existed, not in the same way, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and clearly shit's going down in them that I need to know more about. <laughs> it's gonna be great. We'll see you next year for Kaiju Christmas for Stephen's <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kaiju Christmas six, and we do Biolante. Well, I think I, I, same time, same Godzilla channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I bet Emily's so pleased that she missed out on this one now. Oh, yeah, I mean it's that. I mean this. Let's be fair. This one's no Pulgasari, is it? <laughs> so, it's hard to long? say what things are, really. <laughs> like Pugasari. Well, I don't know. Dijamin, apparently. But yes, no, it was it was, it was fine. But it's not dreadful. Apart from when Manila's in it. Yes, of course. But Manila makes everything worse. Manila just like constantly bimbles into things. He just like constantly needs to be rescued. And it's kind of bizarre the fact that you know, the humanity not being wiped out rests on Godzilla not wanting to kill his own spawn. <laughs> as much as I was like banking on our, our Earth Defense Force there with their little guns and uh, Stalin with his samurai sword uh, being like able to take him on, I was uh, I doubted that God, Baby Godzilla was going to stop him. Wouldn't you have really liked if Godzilla just fucking nuked him? I just, went. <laughs> <laughs> I just said the planet is mine. Well, Not just... said it because that would be ridiculous. Although I have seen that as well. <laughs> yeah, it just like sits it and like goes and finds himself a throne, and he just like comes up with hail to the king, like the Breaking Bad poster. Yeah, but you know, like if this was going to be the final war, if this was going to be the final Godzilla movie. Let him own the planet and just wipe out all those whingy people. <laughs> Well, that got a bit dark, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just a touch. I'm happy now. Um, thank you very much for listening this evening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. Uh, thank you very much to our special guest, Nick, for joining us. Uh, obviously, with uh, your various projects you got out there, I mean, you obviously got the radio show out there, uh, which is on Mixcloud, which I recommend you all check out. And... Is anything happening with French on Sunday, or is it still work in progress? I mean, I hung out with them last night, and yeah. we had dinner and watched Spiral. But outside of just hang sessions, I don't unfortunately see any podcast plans as of yet. Maybe next year we'll bring something different. But until then, I'm just guesting on as many podcasts as I can. <laughs> it's going to be the case where I'm just going to have to like invite you all separately onto the show and just not tell you. So you all turn up and then we just like go just pull like a surprise reunion on you guys. I'm I'm not gonna lie, wouldn't be mad. Um, like at all. I do miss that show. I've been listening to like the very early shows when it's like uh, Will's still there, and it's oh, just like yeah. Will and Mark just arguing with each other for like ten minutes at a time. <laughs> um, I tell you what, we don't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Will? Did he just like fall out with you guys and? So yeah, he kind of he kind of fell out, and uh, we, we like unintentionally we stopped hanging out with him socially as well, like in person. Yeah. And I have no idea like what he's up to. We're friends on Facebook. I think I have his number. 
occasionally like we'll reach out and say hey to one another but like i i have no idea neither does the rest of the gang but you know we're all like less stressed and a little more <laughs> a little more happy but it's the way it goes sometimes there's a few people yeah. i wish i like, got to podcast more with like Lindsay. i don't get to podcast with anymore mm-hmm. uh will mm-hmm. i haven't podcast with him in a long time so um and occasionally i will catch up with um like oh, Jess or Rob. Yeah, or... Jess, um, yeah. who I keep saying we're going to get on to this show because last time we hung out, we talked about Tale of Two Sisters, which was great. Um, nice. So, yeah. But uh, hopefully, as I said, going into 2022, um, yeah. it's so hard to remember what year we're in anymore. It's just all been the same last two. Mm-hmm. Um, flying by. We'll hopefully get you back again, Nick. We'll talk about something non-Godzilla related. We'll find something weird for you to talk about. Gosh, I'm all for that. Which, if I, you don't mind me plugging something that is Godzilla related. No, feel uh, free. I was on a recent episode of Exploding Helicopter with Will Slater, and we talked about the 1997 Roland Emmerich film Godzilla. So if you need more fix for a Godzilla, check that out. Do you like it? No, because it's not a Godzilla film. Okay, well, we'll have it done with you then, Nick. <laughs> No, um, but no, as I said, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, coming on to Thank you so Geek much. Out and thank you again. Um, thank you, of course, Stephen. It's a pleasure, um, as always. And to obviously our first pick of the new year, what are we going to kick it off with? Oh, it's my turn, is it? Sure. It is. It is. All right. Well, do you know what? We tend to do well when we do movies with penises in them don't we it's just a fact Nick our most successful episode is Mobius, Mobius. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is fundamentally the plot is woman woman chops off man's penis progress no that was um, the episode where we spent a good 10 minutes talking about what frotting was <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Frotting. It's um, basically where you um, achieve climax by grinding yourself um, against things, like rubbing stones against yourself and and things. Huh. uh, To achieve climax. Apparently, this is a thing we found out. Basically, (laughs) Kim Kiduk movies is something you need to try if you want to find any. Anyway, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going for a penis removal movie, but I'm going for a movie which is aimed straight at the penis, and I'm going to go for. um, Oh sure. 2010's erotic ghost story. Okay. Um. So we can talk about Amy Yip. So about Cat Free as well. We can talk about Cat 3, and we can act really English and um, awkward. <laughs> but no, it should be it should be a big laugh. This, these sort of Cat 3 titty films are, are an important part of um, Hong Kong cinema, and we should talk about them. Indeed. And yes, I just said the word titty. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be listening, won't you, Nick? It's, it's, <laughs> this is all new to me, like the idea of Cat 3, and I just looked this up, and I am i don't know what to say. So I'm going to have to watch this and then listen to the episode. We, we were saying you, we'll get you back, Nick, so you can talk about booby movies. <laughs> 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 um, I'm trying to think of like a fun 
like pun really slick play on and com- combined like breast with some kind of word for film and i think booby movies it like it's <laughs> but it's got that power rhyme going on hasn't it i like yeah. it yeah we're gonna do asian booby movie erotic ghost story <laughs> <laughs> Just in 2022, the search for new co-hosts begins. <laughs> um, mate, yeah. mate, we've had a film where in the opening scene a woman has sex with a dog. This is nothing. What like movie that. was that? Um, the Takashi Miike one. Where was it? Oh yes, Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive. Oh, yeah. Thirteen Assassins. <laughs> no, Dead, Dead or Alive. They interrupt a filming of a movie. Which is basically a personality film. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dead or Alive um, was um, was an experience. I actually we had a comment on Instagram the other day of uh, one of our listeners actually got into the show because of Takashi Miike month. So we've we will be coming up with a new month um, theme for the new year. Ideally not next to Halloween again, but that's what <laughs> happens when you make <laughs> stupid bets for important people. Um, but uh, yeah. 2022 we've got it should be definitely an exciting year so um definitely make sure you come back and join us for that um but if you also if you haven't done already please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show you can follow us on facebook and instagram and twitter come and say hi to us let us know what you think of the show let us know you know films we should be checking out you know come get involved um our facebook group in particular is a really good hangout we go some fun discussions there and we post things pretty much every single day as well um but until next time thank you to nick for joining us thank you Stephen, and uh thank you to you listeners uh have yourself a wonderful kaiju christmas and we will see you again in the new year but until then good night きのうのことには忘れて昨日のあの子は忘れて踊り続けていたい夜なのさ月が来るだけ散っても星が燃えて落ちても踊り続けていたい夜なのさ胸に刺さった This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.